um, parable series. Matt's going to come up this morning. Matt's sharing with us. Give him a big round of applause. Nice to have the Holy Spirit as an opening act, eh? Yeah, that's quite good. So good. So, Father, I'm just going to pray for Matt. God, I thank you so much for Matt. I thank you for, um, for who he is. God, I thank you for just, um, yeah, God, just you're so good. I thank you for your presence this morning. And, and just even, just God, we just, I just pray for Matt now that he would know your presence here with him. God, just the assurance and the, um, yeah, just to be able to know that the, the parable that he's speaking this morning, that he's sharing, are literally words that came from your mouth. And the truth that you desired for that first century hearers to hear is the same truth that you desire for us to hear today. And I pray that you would use man. God bless him, bless his household, bless his family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, very good. <clears throat> so, um, oh, there we go. Came back. I woke up this morning and um, could barely say a word. I rang Linda and I was like, Linda, <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> but I think I think we're good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I can be like a, a walking advertisement for lemon and honey teas. Um, I'll get my phone so I don't run over time. So how do I follow on from that? It's a hard act to follow, isn't it? That was good. Um, so this series has been really interesting, hey? Like, uh, everyone with their, with their different parables, and it's been interesting talking to uh, a few people about, you know, the parable that you've that you're chosen or that they've chosen, and, you know, you choose one, and people are like, why did you choose that one? <laughs> and then they tell you their one, and it's like, why did you choose that one? <laughs> But um, I think, and, and Lyndon said this before, like, that's, that's the beauty of it, you know, that's been part of the great thing is people's different perspectives on things and, and their takes on things and where they come from. So, um, so I have chosen the unclean spirit, which um, appears twice in the Bible. Get this thing turned on as well. Um, so it appears once in Luke and also in Matthew, um, although the one in Matthew has a little, a little extra tacked on, tacked on the end of it. Um, so, yeah, how about um, we'll just jump right in and we'll, we'll read through the, through the parable. Um, so I'm reading from the Amplified. Um, oh, is that coming to you? There we go. Um, and, like, just a side note, does anyone else love to just, like, stereotype people based on the, uh, the Bible translation that they use? You know, like, if someone whips out the NIV, it's like, oh, that's the classic, you know, you're between... 25 and 60 or something, and then it, people choose the message as like a little bit risky, you don't know, and people whip out the passion and they're just looking for an argument or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it always reminded me of 101 Dalmatians, you know, they're like the, the first animated, um, the, the old one, and like all those people walking through the park with their dogs, and they looked exactly like their dogs. It's, it's kind of like that. Anyway. Onto something that matters. Um, so the unclean spirit, Matthew 12, um, verses 43 to 45. 
Um, but when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it roams through dry places in search of rest, but it does not find any. Then it says, I will go back to my house from which I came. And when it arrives, it finds the place. Oh, spelling mistake there, yep. It finds the place unoccupied, swept, put in order, and decorated. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and make their home there. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. So also shall it be with this wicked generation. Um, does anyone, did anyone have the donut man when they were growing up? Probably like I'm looking at people my age and below. Um, or, you know, the parents of us. We had the donut man and he was like this little, you know, tapes, like actual cassettes. Um, and he like sung Bible stories and um, things like that. And this, this song always, I always remember this one. I've later come to realize I've just like completely misunderstood the whole thing. But um, yeah, it was, quite a, it was quite a funny little song. I won't sing it for you today for obvious reasons. Um, so if you've spent any time uh, wandering the internet, you may have seen this abbreviation here, TLDR. Um, I'm a web developer, so I spend a lot of time on the internet, and I spent a year pretending to know what this one meant before I finally <laughs> decided to Google it and actually figure it out. And so it stands for too long, didn't read. It's basically just like a, uh, a new trendy way of saying, in summary. Um, so if you take nothing else away, if you stop listening from here, like you generally see this at the beginning of an article that you don't want to read the whole thing, you just want like the main points. So uh, this is the too long, didn't read version of my sermon um, this morning. So the first point is read your Bible. Uh, the second is uh, what are you making or what are we making room for in our lives? Thirdly, what are we filling our lives with? Which is kind of similar to the, to the second, but uh, slightly different. Um, and lastly, read your Bible. And I missed another one, um, read your Bible. So I did what uh, any good speaker does, and um, I Googled this verse. Um, and like Google's great, right? Because you can like spend 10 minutes Googling and then start talking as if you've spent like three years in seminary. You can throw things out like in the original Greek, or um, as, as a good friend of mine likes to say, in the Latin. <laughs> um, so I did some research, and um, surprise, surprise, there were some varying opinions on this um, parable. And I know you're like, what, opinions on the internet? But yes, they exist, and they are varied. Um, some people say that this, um, so just for like a little bit of context, some people say that this verse actually didn't appear in this, uh, like it's not in context, it's kind of dropped in. Other people say it is. Uh, some people say that the bit at the end, um, the so also, so also shall it be with this wicked generation, um, some people say that that was added by Matthew and wasn't actually said by Jesus because it doesn't appear in the, in the um, version that's in Luke. Um, so there's all this kind of like, you know, people bantering and whatever. Um, but I felt like most of their points were relatively beside the point, you know, the kind of by the time you got round to it, it was like, well, it kind of doesn't really change the meaning much. Um, and in the context of all the verses before it, it does, it does still make sense. Um, so all, kind of this old chapter, or at least the, the large amount of verses leading up to this um, parable, is Jesus has been talking about um, like the state of your life. Um, and 
and keeping watch over the, the state of our lives and the state of our hearts and, and what goes in and what comes out. Just a couple of verses earlier, he um, talks about uh, the men of Nineveh and he says that they will condemn this generation for not repenting because they heard uh, from Noah, Noah, Noah. Oh my goodness, Jonah. There we go. That's that one. Same letters, right? Um, so they heard from him and, and they repented and, and now someone greater than Jonah is here and, and this um, generation isn't. And then and another verse later, he talks about the Queen of Sheba, how she came to Solomon for wisdom and she will condemn this generation because um, she repented or she sought wisdom from Solomon and you know, this, she realized the errors of her, of her ways in, in this generation isn't. So they're kind of like the story after story about um, you know, people um, who have... Uh, who have have come? Who are searching for wisdom? Who are searching for good things? Um, verse thirty-three talks about the sound tree, or like a good tree bears good tr- fruit, and a bad tree will bear bad fruit. Verse thirty-four, he calls the Pharisees an offspring of vipers, and says, "How can you speak good things when you are evil? Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks." Verse thirty-five, good man from his good treasure brings forth good things, and an evil man from his inner evil storehouse will bring forth evil things. So he kind of just, again and again, we're hearing, you know, what goes in is what comes out. And we need to um, pay attention to what is coming in so that what is coming out is good. Um, It's interesting that in verse uh, 29, which is a little bit uh, earlier, he has another story, uh, another parable rather, which talks about a house. and this, uh, this, this parable that we're talking about today, it's about a man, but then he's later like personified as a house. Um, you know, they talk, he says, the spirit says, uh, I will go back to my house from which I came, which is talking about the man that he left, obviously. Um, so in verse 29, he says, um, it's the, the story about how can a person go into a strong man's house and carry off his goods without first binding the strong man? Um, so yeah, again and again, this message that like we need to um, be sure that is what is in our lives is good, because um, you can't just like cruise into you know a Christian's life that's filled with the Holy Spirit and mess it all up. Um, yeah, that what we do and what we say is an overflow of the things that we're putting into our lives and that is in us. Um, so I'm totally going to steal a phrase that I heard a, a, a while back. Um, which I really thought was great, um, called carefronting um, instead of confronting. Um, and I think that that's what Jesus is doing here, you know. Um, he's confronting us, but in the best sort of way. I think that this, this parable, when you read it, it can kind of seem like a little bit of a grisly or a bit of a grouchy parable. Um, but it's kind of a, a warning, like a friend coming to you and, you know, giving you a wrap around the ears or something. Kind of like how like uh, parents talk to their kids in the third person. This is like kind of one of those sorts of things. Um, but it's not saying that like we have to be perfect and that we don't have to be making mistakes or whatever. But that we have like a genuine pursuit for Jesus and, and, a, and a heart for him. So jumping into verse 43, that was my long-winded uh, context. Um, so verse 43 says, but when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it roams through dry places in search of rest, but it does not find any. 
Uh, so some people said that like this is actually a demon um, or an unclean spirit. Others said maybe it's just a metaphor of an issue, um, you know, a metaphor of an issue that the man was dealing with in his life. I think I don't really have the credentials to answer that, but either way, either way you look at it, it doesn't really matter. This man had something that was holding him up, um, and he's been set free from it. Um, and the story is like not really about this man, this other man. You know, I think it's easy, well, I find it easy at least with the parables um, to think about them as kind of somewhere else or somewhere away. He's talking about some other random person. But this is actually about us. Um, Jesus, Jesus is talking to us. We are that man. And what, what are we like when we are set free from those things that bind us? You know, those issues that we struggle with whether it's actually something spiritual. And I think, you know, definitely here in, in the West, we don't really tend to think much about the spiritual realm as much as other cultures do, at least. And things are, you know, as they appear. But lots of the time, you know, there, there are spiritual things behind that. Um, so, yeah, this story is about what, what do we do once we've been set free from these things? Um, and at the end of verse, um, at, the, at the end of verse 43, we're, kind of the stage is set for the rest of the, the rest of the parable. This man was dirty; he was, um, you know, bound by something, and he's been set free. And then what happens? So verse 44, it says, "Then it says the demon says, I will go back to my house from which I came out, and when it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept, put in order, and decorated." Now, I always thought that this was a good thing, and I was like pretty confused about this parable. I was like, this guy, he's just cleaned up his house. He's decorated the whole thing. You know, it's in a good state, and Jesus is going to come in and like slam him for, you know, having this nice clean house. So if you ever wanted a chance to like take scripture out of context, this is your moment. Like the moral could be, don't clean your house. <laughs> to, to all the house cleaners, like Lee does most of the cleaning of our house, and she does a fantastic job. But um, Lee, you can you know you can put the bucket down. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So it, so it, it's interesting that it's, this house was clean and tidy. Um, but I think that one of the main points here is that it was empty. Um, and this is this is the second point um, that I mentioned in my in my summary here. What are we making room for in our lives? Because if we're not filling our lives with things, something else will fill it for us. Um, one uh, commentator mentioned that uh, there was no resistance here in this house. Um, that in, in verse 45, when the, when the demon comes back, he brings with it seven others. Um, this commentator said, you know, if this man was filled with the Holy Spirit, if he was filling his life with the things of Jesus, you know, the devil doesn't have that authority to just cruise into your life and just like take it over. God has given us authority over these things. So this, I, I kind of got the sense that this was a man who had a real like external display of cleanliness. And like he's just slamming the Pharisees earlier in the, in the parables. Um, and that's really something that Jesus had issues with time and time again with the Pharisees. You know, they were like, they had all these laws and they followed them and they looked good, but really they were like void of substance. You know, they, they didn't have a, a heart for God, a true desire for God. And so I think, um, like in this verse in particular, um, it's really trying to make us aware of 
yeah, what, what are we making room for in our lives? Um, and going back to that in verse 29, the story about the strong man. Um, so it says, how can a person go into a strong man's house without first binding the strong man? Um, definitely something I can relate to in my household. You know, got these web developer arms. Um, but, you know, yeah, just this, just this thought of that. When, when we, you know, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and we're filling our life, life with the gospel, that is the strong man. Like, God is the strong man in our lives. Um, and, and the devil can't just come in and, like, bind us up with these things without first taking, going through God, unless, of course, we're giving him room to do so. We're giving him opportunity to do so. Um, I think a good example of this in our um, modern-day society is uh, meditation and mental health. So I have no qualms whatsoever with people keeping themselves mentally well. I think it's probably an area that has been far more understood lately than it has been ever before. But there are lots of things that kind of seep in with that, you know. And it's like anything, but I'm just like taking a stab at mental health. But all the other things that come in with it. Um, and one of those is meditation. And so meditation um, is designed to do one of two things. It's designed to either focus our mind or um, to open our mind and to empty our mind. I've gone back to the first point a little bit later, but the latter, um, I think, is a particularly dangerous place to be in. Um, the Bible talks a lot about what we should be doing with our minds, um, and emptying them is not one of them. Um, 1 Thessalonians says that we should test everything and to hold fast to what is good. I hope I'm not taking that verse out of context. Um, just a, a little bit before, it, it's talking about receiving prophecies um, and making sure that you test those prophecies and then hold fast to what is good. Um, one of, uh, a verse that I've been meditating on a lot is Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 4, um, verse 23 in the surrounding verses. But 23 says, Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, created in God's image and true righteousness. A little bit later, rejecting all falsehood. Um, we hear about the armor of God and the helmet of salvation. And then time and time again, we're told throughout the Bible that we need to be monitoring things testing things, judging things, scrutinizing what it is that we're listening to and what we're letting into our lives. This sermon, I've already done all the thinking and the scrutinizing for you, so you can just, you know, let it do. But no, even, you know, the things that you hear in church, go back and, like, read this for yourself. Test what it is that I'm saying. Test what we're all saying. Um, opening our mind and giving ourselves this, like, empty state of mind Sounds a lot like the empty house that we have described to us in verse 44. Um, this house was ready to be occupied. You know, it was a, a sitting duck, essentially. It was clean and tidy, that's for sure, but it was void of substance. This was, I've said it before, but this was purely an external show of cleanliness. So if verse 44 was about... Um, focusing on, on what we're making room for in our lives. Uh, verse 45 is about what we are filling our lives with, or rather what our lives are being filled with. So verse 45 says, um, Then it, it being the demon, goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and make their home there. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. So also shall it be with this generation. 
So Jim goes out, comes back with seven others. Sounds like a bit of a crowded house and not in a good way. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, if we're not filling our lives with something, that's something you know, else will fill it for us. Um, how important is it for us to make sure that we are filling our lives with the gospel? Um, the Bible talks so much about guarding our hearts and, as I mentioned before, you know, guarding our minds. And one way to do that is to fill it with the gospel. Um, Proverbs and other books in the Bible repeatedly talk about um, binding these words upon the tablet of your heart and pressing them on your children, talking about them often when you rise up, when you go to sleep, when you walk along the road, things like that. This is how you get the Bible into you. And it doesn't have to be that like you read through the Bible in a year or whatever. I think I, I mentioned this last time, but like take a little snippet, take, take like one verse and just like think about it, learn it, think about it again and again. And I found, um, I mentioned that Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I've been, uh, you know, like meditating on that, if you will, for the last like six months. And I keep coming back to it and I keep finding something new or something slightly different, having a, a slightly deeper understanding of that. Um, which goes back to that, uh, that first point of meditation, like that meditation will either open your mind or it focuses your mind on something. Um, and it's interesting, in the Bible, when it talks about meditation, in, in almost every case that it talks about meditation, it's talking about meditating on the words of God or what God has done for us. Um, a, a story that I really love in the Bible, or, or rather that I find quite interesting, which I think emphasizes this point, um, is the story of when uh, Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Um, so, like, obviously, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit is a good thing um, and very important. But, like, this is Jesus. He is God and he is the Holy Spirit. He has the best relationship with the Holy Spirit that any of us can have. Um, and the Holy Spirit himself leads Jesus into the wilderness. And also, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit small and hard to read up there, but essentially... The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness where Satan comes to tempt him. And he's tempted three times. Um, and so Satan says, you know, um, what does he say there first? Um, yeah, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Oh, no, sorry, the first one. Oh, yeah, which is like a hilarious point about this. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, right? And he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the Bible, for some reason, has to tell us he was hungry, which I always think is like, is that not implied by the 40 days of fasting? But anyway, I think that's kind of like this hilarious part of the Bible. <laughs> so anyway, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, because obviously you're hungry. Um, and Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so he says, it is written. Jesus uses scripture to combat Satan. This is Jesus himself, and he has a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit, but he still comes back to the Bible to fight his battles. And then inter interestingly enough, um, the tempter or the devil comes back to him again and says, um, you know, throw yourself down off wherever, I don't know, for it is written, he will command his angels to concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. And so Satan uses the Bible to try and tempt Jesus. 
And then Jesus goes back and says, ah, but also it is written. It's like this like scripture ping pong thing. Um, but how important is that then? That like, not only do we need to know the Bible for ourselves and for our own good, but like people will try and twist the Bible and they'll try and twist the words of God to change them, to tempt us away from the things of God, which is what's exactly happening here. Um, and in this day and age, um, you know, I don't think a lot of us are in the situation where we're being led out into the desert and then tempted by you know, Satan incarnate or whatever. But we are living in an age that is fighting for our attention. The internet, the people on the internet, um, myself here with you, you know, everything wants your attention. And so what are we spending our time doing? What are we giving our attention to? Um, if it is not the Bible, you know. Um, I remember a while back when, um, when Game of Thrones came out and it was all the rage. Everyone was watching it. Um, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, good on you. Um, I, I went on this website, IMDb, and they have like reviews of TV shows and movies and things, and they have a parents' guide, and they tell you, uh, you know, a little breakdown. They give you a rating of sex, violence, drugs, blah, 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 and then they tell you what's in it. Just reading that was like bad enough. Um, essentially, big violence, lots of sex, essentially mainstream pornography. Um, and I mean, like, you read the Bible, there's a lot of sex and violence in the Bible, like you read through Kings, it goes down in Kings. Um, but I think we know when like, we're taking these things out of context, right, and, and when these things aren't good for us. And, and these types of things are becoming more and more normalized in and out of the church. Um, and if we're not careful and we start like consuming these things and bringing them into our lives, we're just making a foothold for these things in our lives. Um, I love that in verse 44 of this parable, it says that the house was decorated. Um, not only was it swept and clean, but it was decorated. Um, and I feel like these things are decorations in our lives. You know, with the, the media we're watching, the things we're consuming, what are we setting a precedent for? What example are we setting for our kids? I know for myself um, that I have to be quite careful with the music that I listen to. Not necessarily because any of it is bad. I think, you know, someone else could listen to the same thing and it'd be fine. But I know for myself, some certain albums or bands or things like that just don't put me in a good place. And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with them, for me, they're not quite good. And so some things are personal. You know, some things you've got to watch out for yourself. But there are others which I just think there are just no real grounds for reasoning that those things are okay. Um, these decorations in our lives... You know, they create a foothold for other powers, for spiritual things in our lives. We're seeing, for example, like sexual freedoms in our generation, in our schools, in our kids, running rampant and growing younger and young, younger and younger, and more and more liberal. We're pushing the boundaries more and more. And then we turn on our TVs, and those themes are either implicit or explicit, but they're there. And so, like, if we're not monitoring... Like I said before, if we're not monitoring those things that are coming in, this is how we like create a foothold. We're filling our lives with these things where we, sh we need to be careful that we're filling them with the Bible. But um, it is a process, and thank goodness that it is a process. Um, we don't just like 
have to drop everything all day. And I'm not saying you have to like throw your TV out the window, although like you probably wouldn't be that much worse off if you did. Um, but you know, I, I love in, in that same verse in Ephesians, it says, be constantly transformed. It's not just like a be transformed. No, be constantly transformed. To strip yourselves of your former nature, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. And I love that line because like, we are deceived. We've been deceived. We have, we've been deluded in some way, shape, or form. And that's okay because Jesus reveals things to us. Um, he's an undeceiver. Um, and I'd love to challenge you, you know, like, ask God to reveal these things to us. Ask God to, to challenge us about things that we think are normal, that we think are okay, and maybe they are. But, like, be constantly challenging these things. Be testing everything. Um, God and our relationship with Jesus should be transforming our life constantly. Not, this, not that we need to have this, like, attitude of, like, oh, but he'll forgive me. You know, we're forgiven, so we can do this. Because they're like, there is that grace aspect, right? Um, but it should be this pursuit of right, righteousness. And the kids coming back, so my time's up. But um, this pursuit of righteousness, which leads us, I think, to the why of this whole parable, which is summed up at the very end. He says, And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first, and so also shall it be with this wicked generation. I think it's easy to like look back and be like, oh, that generation, you know, they were bad. And then certainly they were falling over the same things that they always had done. Israel struggling with idolatry and disbelief, etc. Um, it's the same sorts of, sorts of things. But this can just as easily be applied to us in, in our situation, in our generation. I know certainly there are things that we constantly, I constantly trip over and stumble over. Um, and so it's not like we have to, you know, be perfect all at once. God can transform us. Um, he's told us that we can ask for wisdom and it will be given to us. I think that this, this parable, like I said earlier, it shouldn't be a doom and gloom parable. Um, the, the last line of it, you know, so also shall it be with this wicked generation, can seem a bit like condemning. Um, but I think it's more of that like, just like a warning, like a highlight, like, you know, if we follow down this path, this is what will happen. But like the best thing about that, I think, is that the inverse is also true. While, while it's true that if we follow down that path, you know, we'll go more and more towards, towards um, evil. But if we start pursuing righteousness, trying to fill our things with the things of Jesus, we can come more and more the other way as well. Teach it to your kids. Teach it to our, each other. Challenge each other. Challenge your friends. Challenge your spouses. Um, and we kind of sing about it today, and Tej mentioned it in worship, but you know, there is freedom with Jesus. He does come. He hasn't come to like condemn us for all this stuff. He has come to set us free and to give us hope, to give us peace, to fix relationships, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think if you take nothing, nothing else away from that today, please read your Bibles. You know, focus on them. Just take a little bit and read a little bit. Um, and I think we're about up. But if, if anyone does, I know we had like a, a bit of a ministry time before. Um, I didn't feel like there was anything like particularly uh, that stood out to me with this parable. But if there's something that you, you want someone to pray for you for, there are so many of us here that would love to pray for you. So come and see someone at the end. 
if you do, um, then we would love to pray for you. Um, but yeah, that's all. Thanks, guys. Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, um, we, like Matt said, you know, if you would like.